Project A Podcast. Hi everybody, this is the third of four episodes in a series of podcasts about the wider topic, business intelligence, how to build a data-driven organization. So far, we have covered the earlier days of BI in our ecosystem with Leo Schirmer, the former BI director at Project A, followed by an interview with Philip Werner, who is responsible for BI at Project A today. Next time, we will look at areas beyond marketing, where data-driven work can improve the way we work. But today, the focus is marketing. My name is Rainer Berak, I'm COO at Project A, and I have the pleasure of having our CMO Dorothee Seedorf as a guest, together with Philip Werner, our BI director, who you know from the last episode. Hello. Hello. Great to have you here. Well, let's jump straight into the topic. When we are talking about data-driven work, marketing is pretty much always the nucleus at pretty much every company. Why is that doable? Um, I think like marketing is always the first action you are taking, uh, even if your product is ready uh, to go on market or not. Um, you need to show in a company, uh, is it worth uh, already? Yeah, are you able to generate uh, customers for like an equivalent uh, acquisition costs? And uh, therefore, it's always the first duty uh, on marketing to show uh, if the business model works. Um, and I think that's also the main duty then on, on marketing to actually tackle with BI um, to get all the insights as fast as possible um, on a more granular level per channel, but also in general, what is the user behavior on site and uh, what are the acquisition costs also per channel um, to got, get these insights as fast as possible to actually take the actions um, marketing-wise to challenge, uh, yeah, or challenge the, your strategic approach um, and also the um, campaign efforts and, and um, yeah, actions you are taking there, um, but also to change actually your product itself and therefore we actually need um, as fast as possible um, a good BI setup. Yeah, and I think there are maybe two other reasons to add. Uh, one of them we've been already discussing last time. I think marketing usually in startups is one of the departments where the most money is spent. So if we can increase efficiency there just by a little bit, then usually uh, a lot can be won. Um, and the second reason is probably that there's only very limited literature or knowledge um, in the especially performance marketing, online marketing world. So there's a lot to discover every time. Um, and it's not as straightforward pr probably as uh, when it comes to calculating margins or stuff that is more common. Um, so that are mainly the two reasons I think where we can help. So that also means that the role of a marketeer has probably over the last years and especially in our industry has, or, or, or with our industry has changed a lot. If you look at a marketeer in the, in the 90s or so, it's a fundamentally different approach that was brought in now through performance marketing that supports that. Yeah, like the market here today is um, very much more um, data-driven as it was uh, in the years ago and um, also has to deal with a lot more um, tools and um, also yeah, data-driven approaches and, and setups um, as it used to be the case. Um, because especially when we just look at um, SEA um, today, um, a lot of the campaign structure is 
done or built automatically. Um, a lot of the knowledge um, comes from a data feed. Um, this hasn't been the case um, in all the years before. Um, and on top of it, you have the bit management. Also there, the data needs to come somewhere and um, all the interpretation uh, you need to do um, are also needed for um, what come, need to come from the data warehouse. Um, so there's way more automated processes that um, we are facing today um, of what it used to be in the previous years. And that you have to understand to set it up. Automation here doesn't mean necessarily that the, that the automation is doing it for you, but somebody has to basically like set the whole structure up and has to... You have to set up the infrastructure yeah. and also being able to interpret it. Um, yeah. And that's like the most difficult part where you also need um, like a different mindset um, because um, yeah, you need to understand uh, what comes out of your optimizations in a shortage of time. Yeah. Um, and um, as a lot of stuff is automated, um, you can't trust like purely the systems and tools. Um, it's rather that you need um, a really data-driven mindset and, and an analyst behind it um, to give all the insights to the teams as well. So in order to enable that so that your marketing team can do the best possible job, what do you, I mean, in, in, like in short, it would probably be, the answer would be data, but uh, can you say a bit more about what do you need from, from your colleague, Philip, um, so that so that your team can do an amazing job. Mm -hmm. um, there are like two uh, issues. On, on the one hand side, um, it's really the basic setup of um, having like real time data access um, to the data warehouse, to the marketing cubes, to be able to um, really get um, access to all the reportings um, on a per channel basis but furthermore also on a custom basis um, because um, what is done more and more today uh, as we used to do it in the past is um, that we are rather having that holistic view um, on a customer basis and um, this um, also needs um, a kind of a different setup that our reportings based on channel are not enough it's more that we also uh, look closer to the customer behavior of what is his customer journey, when does he actually step out of the funnel, and when do we actually need to interfere again um, to get the customer back um, on stage to be um, a proper existing customer for the future as well. And you guys can deliver that? Sure, I hope so. <laughs> so. So what might be difficulties in this context? Wow, that's a broad, broad question. I mean, like, where, where I'm trying to get here is what we have seen a lot, um, and I think that is not a Project A uh, specific um, topic, but I think what happens at a lot of companies out there is that while we know we want to set up uh, data warehouses and reports, etc., out of, out of, out of a, um, a, a stable structure, it easily happens that you're just like, because you need it on a daily basis and there's pressure, you just get your data from left and right and you put them together in a quick and dirty dirty way and then you are I wouldn't say stuck but you are sitting there on solutions that are not completely consistent and I think uh, you guys in BI here at Project A and on work with our companies you have worked quite a bit or actually the two of you have worked quite a bit on making sure that this is really like coming out of one hand yeah. so what is it what we can do there well, I mean, there's a lot to do. I think the main difficulties are that 
a lot of people, especially also in marketing, are used to the tools they're working with. So a good example is probably Google Analytics because uh, marketeers, whatever they've been doing before, they've been using this tool. Um, and to some degree, we need to get them out of there and you look by looking to the data warehouse instead. Um, so that's the, the first challenge. It's not only Google Analytics, of course, there's also AdWords and so on and so forth. But basically, we need to teach them that there's more information when you go to the data warehouse and it's also not uh, isolated to your own channel, but we can do proper attribution and everybody's looking at the same numbers when they go into the data warehouse. So I think that's, that's a challenge. And that, at some point, it also gets more complex, right? So if you don't have a um, very obvious CPO goal to, um, to steer your marketing on, but it's uh, CLV, that is a concept that, that's probably not easily understood by everybody so you need to convince people so just for the audience clv and attribution we will actually talk a little bit more in, in just a few sentences but yeah yeah sorry about that <laughs> so just saying that uh, there's some complexity to it and um, you also need to convince people why why suddenly their goals change um, and they need to get the full picture is there something you can do about i mean like People work in processes, there are special roles, do you cover that with certain roles, for example, or...? No, I think very important is really like coming from, from a mindset of being a startup and the first, it's always the pressure to actually show does your business model work or not. Yeah. Um, and then you have a rather, rather strong focus on, as Philip already mentioned, um, like a CPO goal of actually achieving revenue. and. Suddenly, um, as you get more and more insights um, of your customer um, base and also when people tend to um, come back to your site, actually buy again, um, you are generating way more insights and being able to also interpret it uh, differently and also um, change your marketing mix as it used to be uh, in the beginning. And there actually it happens quite often that this mind change um, isn't aware to all the operative people um, mm -hmm. in these channels and therefore it, it's a really um, needs to be a really strong aim of the CMO or uh, head of marketing um, to actually explain um, to the team why it is so important to not just look at the channel performance um, at itself um, then rather on the yeah, company goal and um, which part um, of each channel distributes to which uh, revenue. Yeah. And you were asking me how can we ensure that? So I think there's two quite obvious things that we do. Um, the first one is that we have this role called a marketing analyst or sometimes it's a marketing intelligence manager. But no matter how you call it, it's basically a person with a very good marketing understanding um, but that is either located in the marketing team or as it is in our case in the BI team, um, who's basically the marketing stakeholder embedded into the BI team, coming from both worlds, having a sound understanding of marketing, a very sound understanding of BI, and bringing the two departments closer together. Yeah. The second one is probably um, having good formats uh, for exchange. So um, Dora and me regularly sitting together to, to think about things um, that we could do on top, uh, but also on channel level. So um, our marketing intelligence uh, manager or marketing analyst um, sitting together with the different channel heads and thinking about how can we support you, what do you actually need to improve your daily work. So this role that you're describing, if I'm not mistaken, this is nothing that can easily be hired out there at the market, but basically you 
guys, specifically you, Dorothee, I think, uh, came up with the idea and, and we have created a traineeship in that field, right? Exactly. So we rather trained uh, our marketing analyst um, yeah, by ourselves and like uh, different, actually, um, two different uh, marketing channels um, so that you also get a full understanding of um, how you are actually optimizing and creating channels and what are the main marketing issues coming from tracking as well as optimizing and which data points you are needing. Um, and then having a, a third um, yeah, step and uh, really actually learning um, how BI works, um, so how do I create a data warehouse, um, how tracking works and so on. And the decision of um, yeah, having him um, sitting in the BI team was rather, um, yes, this person understands completely um, how marketing works and what the main questions and, and duties are, um, but as narrow as you can be to the BI developers, as faster you can help uh, also the marketing team with um, generating reports and analyzers uh, we desperately need. Yeah. You know, how, where we also do that is with marketing traineeships, right? And that's something I, I actually really appreciate that uh, your marketing trainees are also spending usually, uh, if they want to, uh, they can spend up to three months in our team, um, where we basically give them the opportunity to learn some SQL, to be able to get the data you need yourself, to get an understanding of how segmentation can be done, what attribution is, how it works, how we uh, calculate a customer lifetime value, all things that are very crucial um, to, to marketeers when it comes to taking over responsibility for your own channel or your own strategies afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now, in this collaboration between uh, BI and marketing, there are tons of things um, that you can do, but there are two topics that are always coming up in this context. One is attribution and the other one is to match or to bring together the concept of a customer lifetime value and customer acquisition costs, CLV versus CAC. Um, let's start with attribution. Actually, we don't want to go into the full detail because there is a, there's a very good podcast of one of uh, our employees um, who is in this role that you just described, um, Ole Bosdorf on Kassenzone. It's unfortunately in German, but I think it's still uh, worth listening to. It, it's a very nice one. But I think let's anyhow uh, recap because there's, there, there are a lot of possibilities there. There are a lot of different ways of doing attribution. Um, Doro, can you give an overview of which possibility, how you can do attribution and maybe also explain what most companies are doing and how sophisticated they are on this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, attribution is like uh, always a really important topic and uh, yeah, a lot of discussions and opinions are around it. Um, but actually, surprisingly, um, also a lot of big companies we also see um, don't even work with attribution. Um, so there is still a long way to go. So um, what is I it? Think. And can you do? Can you not attribute? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where does it actually come from? Um, when you are seeking for for pure growth, um, then you don't have as many channels being set up in your marketing mix. Um, therefore, you're mainly sticking to last click um, because your main driver might be um, SEA as a channel. Um, as long as you do that, um, that's fine. But at a certain step, you need to, um, especially when, when also you have to shift from new customers um, also to returning customers, 
you need to have a closer look at um, how do your marketing channels individual distribute uh, to the overall um, acquisition. And by um, doing this, um, there are two ways. And on the one hand, the most obvious one and then uh, yeah, best one is like really having a complete attribution over all channels. Um, but which is a bit harder for, for most companies um, as they are missing a data warehouse or um, as they are yeah, being afraid a bit of the step of um, putting the attribution in place. Um, a step in between can be always an intra-channel attribution, um, which you can use, um, for instance, at uh, Google AdWords to actually at least uh, interpretate um, all these um, individual touch points um, to the actual um, yeah, users or, or, or need um, of it and um, sophistication it has uh, for the total acquisition of the customer. But the most obvious way and where your goal should be at is like to have a global attribution in place. It can be always a data-driven model, but um, I think um, also here a um, short solution can be also in the first stage um, a U-curve or like also interpreting your database once and then calculating the best um, model for your business model. Um, as it always differentiates, are you a classical e-commerce model or are, having a, or are you having a lead in between? So there are a lot of possibilities, but the worst you can do is doing nothing. So basically, to, to answer my own question, you cannot not attribute. What you can do is you can attribute all your marketing cost or the, the related customer value to the last click, yeah. to whatever channel the customer has chosen last before he purchase your your product and that is then obviously wrong so dora already gave the sophisticated answer but maybe let's start a bit earlier so because you're also referring to two different things on the one hand there's attribution and the other is cost distribution so uh -huh. attribution is the idea of having multiple touch points in the customer journey so that can be a click via sea adwords can be a display banner but can also be something offline and this creates the customer journey before the first purchase. So this purchase is the conversion that you try to attribute to the marketing touch points that you had before. Um, and that's not cost distribution. Cost distribution you usually do almost at the same time um, to understand, okay, like how much of the cost that we had to take in order to acquire this customer do we distribute over these marketing channels? Um, and so Doro was referring to different models of attribution. I think the most well-known is, is last click, where, where you, what you're referring to right now, where you basically don't do anything at all. You just say the last touch point gets the full credit for the conversion. And then you can basically come up with anything that you think might sense. Uh, what a lot of companies do is the U-shape that Doro was referring to also being called bathtub, where you basically <laughs> say the first one and the last one are probably the ones that are most important because mm -hmm. the first one was able to raise the attention and the last one probably had the biggest impact into converting and everything in between is less important and then you uh, attribute um, the conversion you had in different uh, ways to these platforms. So what are most companies doing? I still believe uh, that most companies still do last click. What are you saying? Um, I agree and I think in the startup world I 
the ones that do attribution, they do probably the U-shape most. Yeah. Okay. As I said, if you want to know more about attribution, there's this podcast from Ul. I think we will probably hear also focus once more on the different models. I think that could make a lot of sense. Um, the second topic that I raised is bringing customer lifetime value or CLV and customer acquisition cost um, together. Philip, can you give us an overview why that is important, what it actually means? Yeah, so first of all, what is customer acquisition cost? Uh, in our definition, that's the cost that you, that you need. Uh, let me start again. So first of all, what is customer acquisition cost? It's basically um, the marketing budget that you need to spend to acquire a customer. So that means for all these touch points that we were talking about before the customer actually converts and does the first conversion, but also the cost that you need to spend for the customers who don't convert. So that is not to be forgotten. Um, and the sum of that is the cost per acquisition. Um, and then you mentioned the CLV, which is the customer lifetime value. So the idea is looking at how much value does a customer over his lifetime with a company generate. And here it's important that we're talking about margin. So it's not the revenue that this customer generates, but the margin over time. Yeah, so um, Doro mentioned CPO-based uh, marketing in the beginning, so that's yes. cost per order. Um, and the CLV idea comes from the other direction where you say, um, with some business models, customers uh, do return to us. So why not being able to spend more um, on their acquisition than their first order is actually generating? So imagine you have a subscription business if you're selling dog food, for example, and your customers are prone to coming back because your dog needs this food every month. Then you can imagine why not taking the, the margin that this customer does over the next, let's say, six months, maybe even 12 months, depends on how aggressive you want to be, and invest that into customer acquisition, as opposed to just the money that we will earn with him as it, at his first purchase. And um, what you then can do is obviously spend more per acquisition, uh, which is always good when it comes to channels where you're basically bidding against competitors. Um, so in this way, you have more insight about, about your customer and then you're uh, able to spend more on the customer acquisition. Yeah, um, like especially when you have like a broad um, product portfolio or a lot of categories um, in your uh, portfolio. Um, and you are doing SEA, um, then it might be that with a purely CPO focus, you're rather optimizing on you know, fast-turning product, um, which might not be the ones you're actually focusing on because your margin will, might be way lower. Um, and also from a customer perspective, this might be not the customers you actually want to buy in. And um, with having a different approach on and not looking for the pure CPO goal, then rather on a CLV basis, you will turn that around and actually being able to also bid for, like on the first view, non-profitable keywords, like which might be also more in a generic sphere, um, but with them, you rather buy in the customers who are really bringing you on the next level in terms of margin, but also in terms of duration of um, the CLV time. So this whole concept is basically giving us the tool or the tools to like steer marketing budgets in, in a different way, right? Not to define it to create a certain number of orders or not to just look at 
the value of an order or just to like spread with uh, yeah, just to spread budgets across different channels but to really look at uh, what the what the what the lifetime value that's a big word actually uh, we generate with a certain customer customer group or customer customer type when we say lifetime maybe what do we mean by that we will certainly not wait until the lifetime of a customer is really over um, what time horizon are we uh, horizon are we looking at here now you will always um, have a certain um, yeah calculation in mind or also experience from the um, numbers you already have uh, in your data warehouse uh, where you know that for a certain time the um, customers um, might stick to your business model and might be returning as well and then you have a prediction um, on top of it um, where you're assuming okay um, with this in this customer type um, I'm expecting this customer to stick with my company for at least X uh, yeah, months. Um, and out of this, um, you need to decide then um, what is this customer worth in terms of how much am I able and willing um, to spend for this customer um, while assuming this customer sticks with my business for like three years. Um, Am I rather spending six months of a CLV time uh, or um, am I going like on growth um, and actually being able to also spend like the amount um, this person or this customer brings uh, within the So based on the prediction, months. you're basically defining a payback period, yes. right? Exactly, based on the aggressiveness uh, with which you want to go into the market to acquire customers. All right, thanks a lot for that. That sounds super interesting. Um, you two have recently participated in our Christmas party and I remember that you were both dressed in a really funny way. What exactly did you do there and why? Yeah, um, yeah we're part of our leadership and we decided to surprise our employees by doing a cocktail course beforehand and then we dressed up as these like 20, like from the 20s, the barkeepers, right? So with uh, white shirts and like these, I'm not even sure how they're being called. Uh, Hosenträger. Yeah, black <laughs> Hosenträger. And uh, bow tie. Exactly, and bow ties, and we were mixing cocktails for our colleagues. So you were serving cocktails for your team members, basically. Yes, that's so what right. we always do, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. That sounds like a company you want to work at. And if I'm not mistaken, both of you are hiring. Yes, uh, we are always having uh, yeah lots of interesting positions open. So. Always have a look at the uh, yeah, marketing job profiles we are searching for. Currently, we are having a, a yeah, bigger need on uh, looking an, for an experienced person as a head of affiliate or corporations, but with a strong background um, on data feed management. Okay. Yeah, and in the data team, we're looking for two profiles mainly. One is the BI analyst, uh, so someone who's really good in interpreting data. Um, knowing their way around SQL, but also Python or even Excel, just some anal analysis tool. And then on the other hand, looking for data engineers, which are more into um, building an ETL, set setting up the data pipelines to make sure that we get consistent data in our data warehouses. Nice. So we are searching for these positions within Project A. We have a growing portfolio. All our companies are searching for good people. So if all that sounds appealing to you, go to the job section on the Project A website and come over and work with us. 
Dorothee, Philip, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. And uh, well, that was the third episode. And in short time, you will then also hear about the fourth episode where we look at product management, HR, um, pricing as a topic and sales, which are now also working in a data-driven way. Thank you very much and hear from you soon. Project A Podcast.